Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast for the Come Follow Me lessons. This is going to be lesson number 19, covering Mosiah 18 to 24 for the period May the 11th through the 17th. All right, so now Alma has escaped from uh, King Noah and the priests and the servants that sought to kill him. Uh, he goes into the wilderness, it mentions uh, in verse 1, and uh, he repents, it says. He repents of his sins, and then he goes about privately among the people to teach the words of Abinadi. So he must have had some time maybe to write down some of the words of Abinadi so that he could remember them, to be able to preach to them. And so uh, that's what he's probably doing here. It says in verse uh, 7 that after many days, there were a goodly number gathered together. So this is not just all of a sudden, but that he's able to teach a few people every once in a while and that now he's getting a following. Verse 8, he mentions about the waters of Mormon here for uh, to be baptized in. He says, as ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. So here he mentions some items out of the, the baptismal covenant that we often use uh, to bear one another's burdens, uh, willing to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort to stand as witnesses of God at all times and in all things and in all places that ye may be in even until death, that ye may be redeemed of God and be numbered with those of the first resurrection that ye may have eternal life. So this is the covenant of baptism that we often talk about. And uh, so now he's saying that if this is the desire of your heart, what do you have against being baptized? And so he's going to have them um, come forth. And so he says in verse 11, they clapped their hands for joy and exclaimed, this is the desire of our hearts. So now in verse 12, I want you to look at this. Uh, came to pass that Alma took Helam, he being one of the first, and went and stood forth in the water and cried, saying, O Lord, pour out thy spirit upon thy servant, that he may do this work with holiness of heart. And when he had said these words, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he said, Helam, I baptize thee, having authority from the Almighty God, as a testimony that ye have entered into a covenant to serve him until you are dead as to the mortal body. And may the Spirit of the Lord be poured out upon you, and he may grant unto you eternal life, through the redemption of Christ, whom he has prepared from the foundation of the world. Now this was not the baptismal prayer, but this is rather counsel to Helam. We know that the baptismal prayer is very specific, and in fact, uh, in, in the end of the Book of Mormon, um, is the baptismal prayer and also in Doctrine and Covenant section 20. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenant says the baptismal prayer. And so um, that's where we have um, where the Nephites would have probably used something very similar, uh, where we would say, having been commissioned of Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Um, that prayer is uh, was would have been similar among the Nephites too. Um, Anyway, this is counsel that he's given. So in verse 14, it says that when Alma said these words, both Alma and Helam were buried in the water. A lot of people have wondered why Alma baptized himself, or did he baptize himself? Now, if Alma already held the priesthood, he would have already been baptized. So why does he do this? Uh, Joseph Fielding Smith said that there, when Alma baptized himself, that was not a case of Alma baptizing himself, but merely as a token to the Lord of his humility and full repentance. We learn uh, that Alma the Younger was consecrated the high priest over the church under his father, 
Now, Alma did not organize the church with the idea that they had no church before that time. They had a church from the days of Lehi, and Alma only set things in order. There's no question but that Alma held the priesthood, but was ordained after the holy order of God. Thus, he would have been baptized previously. Um, so we know that Alma must have held the priesthood prior. And like I mentioned before, maybe he got it from Zenith or somehow through Mosiah. Um, and so uh, he was not doing this in an unauthorized way. Um, so Alma had, the, had to have had the priesthood to perform baptisms. I often like to think that uh, Alma, when he went down into the water with Helam, maybe just slipped on a rock uh, and slipped in the water. And uh, th after that, he made sure his footing was secure. I know that's not true, but it's funny to think about. Well, it is for me. Okay. Um, verse 16 talks, talks about how many people there are. He mentions 204 souls. Uh, so these are at least those of age of accountability. There may be some others that are children that weren't baptized. Verse 17, they're called the Church of God or the Church of Christ. And Alma has authority from God to do this, he mentions, he, where he ordains priests, uh, even every priest for every 50 in number. So this sounds like he's setting things in order here. Um, maybe even priesthood quorum leaders is maybe what's going on. Um, and so they, they're starting a branch and he's organizing it. It sounds like what they're doing. He's also giving them ideas or instructions here in verse 19 of what to teach the people so that they're teaching the doctrine of Christ and, and the doctrine that he learned from Abinadi. Uh, and in verse 21, to make sure that they have no contention one with another, that they should be a Zion people. And verse 22 mentions that they become the children of God. So uh, Alma is helping them to, be, to repent and to come into God and to uh, be more like him. Uh, verse 19 uh, talks about the bondage then that uh, is going to happen here. But Gideon um, is, is going to go after King Noah. So it came to pass that the army of the king returned, having searched in vain for the people of the Lord. In other words, they couldn't find Alma and his people. Uh, and verse 3, it says, the lesser part began to breathe out threatenings against the king. So now there's a division that's happening among the people. Um, some people want uh King Noah to be killed and others uh, not. And so now there's uh, this division um, came to pass uh, in verse four. It says, now there was a man among them whose name was Gideon, he being a strong man and an enemy to the king. Therefore, he drew his sword and swore that he, in his wrath that he would slay the king. Came to pass in verse five that he fought with the king. And when the king saw that he was about to overpower him, he fled and ran and got upon his tower. Now, it's interesting to think about this. If Noah can run away from Gideon, who's a soldier, apparently, what kind of shape would Noah have been in to be able to do that? We often have pictures of King Noah as being uh, very much overweight or very gluttonous and lazy. Uh, I'm not sure that that's uh, an accurate picture. If he's able to, to get away from a soldier here uh, and to climb a tower and have Gideon um, behind him the whole time, it makes me wonder that maybe he's in better shape than what we may give him credit for. Um, but anyway, when he gets up to the top of the tower, he looks about and sees that uh, the Lamanites are coming. And so he convinces Gideon not to kill him, but to uh, do what they can to uh, to defend themselves. Now, Gideon is more um, interested in his own skin than, the, than his people. Um, but Gideon also knows that uh, in killing the king, they would probably not have a leader uh, to fight, uh, to organize things. And so it's probably easier to, to attack with a bad king than, than not to have a king at all. Uh, however, um, King Noah uh, kind of runs... And, and tries to run away from the Lamanites and leave others behind. Um, but one of the kings of, of Noah, named Limhi, in verse 16, um, they are taken captive by the Lamanites. 
Now, one of the things that they do is that uh, in verse 13, it says that those who tarried with their wives and children caused that their daughters should stand forth and plead with the Lamanites that they wouldn't kill them. And because the beauty of the women, the Lamanites had compassion on them. Instead of killing them, they just take them captive. And so they're going to be captives for a while. Uh, verse 23, the people told the men of Gideon that they had slain the king. And uh, so King King Noah dies by fire. He's put to death by fire as, he, as predicted by um, Abinadi. And that happens in verse 20. He should suffer even unto death by fire. And then in verse 24, so there's a, there's a couple of groups of people. There's Gideon and his soldiers that are defending the city. And then there's this group of people that have run off with King Noah. And uh, now that the, the men are realizing the mistake they made and they want to come back. Uh, but notice in verse 25, it says, It came to pass that after they had ended the ceremony, that they returned to the land of Nephi. And so what's the ceremony that's going on here? There must have been some smoking of the peace pipe or something to get these two groups of people to agree so that they could go back together to reconcile themselves to each other. So that may be what's happening here. Uh, verse 26, uh, Limhi uh, had the, con the kingdom conferred upon him because his father's now dead. So then down to chapter 20, uh, chapters 19 to 22 are actually now taken from the record of Zenith. Uh, these chapters teach us how to deal with our enemies. And so um, we know that the priests of Noah have run off. They've taken off. There's 24 of them. And uh, they're off hiding somewhere. They won't return back to their families because they've uh, they basically gave up their families uh, to hide and run away. Uh, but then the priests of Noah uh, are now ashamed to go back. Um, but they still have some needs that they have. And so as they're uh, hiding out in the wilderness, um, it, it mentions that uh, it came to pass. Uh, let's see. Uh, verse 3, now the priests of King Noah were ashamed to return. Uh, verse 4, having tarried in the wilderness and having discovered the daughters of the Lamanites, they laid and watched them. So here's some Lamanite girls that are dancing. Uh, and they see them uh, dancing here in verse 5. When they were but few of them gathered together uh, to dance, they came forth out of their secret places and took them and carried them into the wilderness. Yea, 24 of the daughters of the Lamanites they carried into the wilderness. So what's going on here? I think it's probably a Laurel Conference that's happening, and they're just uh, having a competition here. Uh, Hugh Nibley says this. He says, Bride capture is, in fact, an old idea and was found throughout much of the ancient world, not just in Israel. The fact that two different Israelite groups practiced it in, in a one-time basis is not at all unexpected, particularly if the priests of Noah were acquainted with the story from Judges 19 to 21. Uh, he states that there were festival dances and competitions among girls, one girl to represent each month of the year to compete against another girl. Hence the reason for 24 maidens. He also indicated that the bridal veil became or came from capturing your bride with a net. And so that he's saying that the history of the bridal veil is because they would be captured by a net. Um, and so this may be what's going on. There's a competition and there's 24 left because they, these are the ones that are remaining and representing each month of the year. Um, so that's an interesting idea. Um, so anyway, the Lamanites get mad because of this and they go off and attack the, the people of Limhi. They, but Limhi and his people see that the Lamanites are coming um, verse 7, the, the armies are sent forth, even the king himself, to destroy the Nephites, uh, to destroy the people of Limhi. But uh, Limhi discovers them doing that. Uh, and in verse 10, the, the battle became sore. And uh, 
and they fought like dry, like dragons, it says. Then in verse 12, it came to pass they found the king of the Lamanites among the number of their dead, yet he had not been, he wasn't killed, but he was wounded. And so then they, they were going to kill him, but then they take him to Limhi, and he says, why have you done this? And he says, we haven't broken any covenants or any oaths. You know, we're in bondage to you, and we haven't broken our promise. And he said, well, you, you've taken off some of our daughters. And Limhi says, no, we haven't done that. Uh, and so they, the king of the Lamanites explains what's happened. And so Limhi says, well, let's take a search among our people and see what's happened. Now, verse 17 says, when Gideon heard these things, he being the king's captain, went forth and said to the king, I pray thee forbear and do not search this people and lay not this, this thing to their charge. Remember the priests of, of thy father. Aren't they the ones that did this? And so the king of the Lamanites is convinced that they're telling the truth and uh, that, you know, these things that have happened are in fulfillment of Abinadi's words. Uh, and so now the king of the Lamanites says, let us pacify them uh, to fulfill the oath. And so now Limhi told the king all these things that happened. Uh, and it came to pass that the king was pacified toward the people. And he says, I swear to you that my people shall not slay thy people. And so as the Lamanites uh, return with a new king uh, to come to the Nephites, the, this king that had been captured, and uh, says, let's go unarmed and I'll convince them not to do this. And so they do. And uh, the Lamanites are pacified and they take their king and they go back home. So then Limhi and his people return back to the city of Nephi and they begin to dwell in peace, except every once in a while there's a, a raiding party of the Lamanites that comes upon them and, and destroys some of their stuff. Um, So uh, they are still having some problems with uh, the Lamanites. They keep uh, coming to battle against them. Uh, now the king, um, he mentions that there's lots of widows in the land, uh, but they humble themselves. They're repenting. So now they're repenting. However, that says that in verse 15, the Lord was slow to hear their cry because they uh, repented kind of slowly here. Um, began to prosper by degrees. There was a great number of women, more than men. Uh, and, and then in verse 18, now the people of Limhi kept together in a body as much as it were possible. Uh, verse 19, the king himself did not trust his person without the walls of the city unless he took his guards with him. And so this is how uh, Ammon and his brothers are going to be found is by the king out with his guards outside the city walls. Uh, verse 22, there was no, dis no more disturbance between the Lamanites and the people of Limhi until Ammon and his brothers come into the land. And the king, having been without the gates of the city, uh, discover Ammon and his brethren, supposing them to be the priests of Noah. And so then they take him and cast him into prison so that they can interrogate them later. Uh, but when they find out in verse 24 that they were not uh, the priests of Noah, but that they were their brethren from the land of Zarahemla, they were filled with joy and now had the idea that, that now they're going to be um, delivered from being being captive by the, by the Lamanites. And so that's what their hope is now. Uh, they they bring to Ammon uh, the record of the of Limhi. They in verse 27 they brought a record of them, even a record of the people whose bones they had found, and that's the Jaredite record. And uh, in verse 32, now since the coming of Ammon, the king also entered into a covenant with God, and also many of the people to serve him and keep his commandments. So, like I said, now they're entering into covenants with God that they would keep the commandments, and this is going to be instrumental in their in being helped by the Lord to escape from uh, from the Lamanites. Down to chapter 22, 
uh, it came to pass that Ammon and King Limhi began to consult with the people how they should deliver themselves. So now that they, it's not that they uh, couldn't have delivered themselves before, but before, remember that they had sought out the land of Zarahemla and couldn't find it, and so they didn't really have any place to go. Now with Ammon and his brothers uh, and these other men that have come with him, now they know that there is still a place uh, that they can hide, that they can run to. And so now they have more confidence that they can do it. So Gideon, down in verse eight and nine or five and six, mentions that you know there's this back pass back by the through the back wall on the back side of the city where the Lamanites have guards that are drunken by night. Uh, we can we can go there if we get them drunk again. We can uh, go that way and and depart into the wilderness and they won't they won't even notice that we're gone. And so they do that. And then in verse uh, 15, uh, the Lamanites wake up the next day. They realize what's happened. They send an army. But in, in uh, 16, it says after they pursued them two days, they could no longer follow their tracks. So the terrain must have been such that, it, that the tracks disappeared. Either it was a rocky terrain, which didn't leave any tracks, or they're walking through a desert where the wind blows their tracks away, or it rains or something else happens to get, get rid of the tracks so that they can't follow them. And remember that they kind of go in an arch uh, path to back to the land so that they're not following a direct path. Uh, let's go down to chapter 23. Alma, now, that, now we're back to Alma, who refuses to be king. Uh, so we have finished the, uh, the discussion here of Limhi uh, because it mentions at the end of that chapter that uh, uh, the Lamanites are lost in the wilderness. But now um, Alma, we're going back to Alma again, uh, refuses to be king of, of these people, but he does serve as the high priest. Uh, and it took them eight days, it says in verse 3, to flee into the wilderness. And they came to a land that was beautiful and, and uh, they pitched their tents there. Um, but um, Alma says that they shouldn't have a king. Uh, down to verse 13, as ye have been delivered by the power of God out of these bonds, yea, even out of the bonds of King Noah and his people, and from the bonds of iniquity, even so I desire that ye should stand fast in this liberty, wherewith ye have been made free. And so he's, Moroni, is in, or Mormon has included this to remind us about how important it is for freedom, and especially from spiritual bondage to be free from that through, the, through our faith in Christ. Um, verse 17, it, it came to pass that none received authority to preach or to teach except it were from him uh, by God. Therefore, he, Alma, consecrated all the priests and all their teachers. And as mentioned before, there were no, there was no Aaronic priesthood per se among the Nephites at this time. Um, it was only Melchizedek priesthood in that the position of priest and teacher was more descriptive of what they did rather than a, a particular calling or assignment. Um, and it says in 18 that the priests and teachers did watch over the people and did nourish them with the things pertaining to righteousness. And uh, Helam uh, mentions in verse uh, 19, the word Helam actually means to be healthy, to recuperate, to restore, to revive a place or to prosper. I knew that you were interested in that. All right, down to verse um, 22, he mentions here, Nevertheless, whoso putteth his trust in him, that the same shall be lifted up at the last day. Yea, and thus it was with this people. So trusting in the Lord is the only way to go. Uh, and then in verse 31, uh, or in verse 30, the armies of the Lamanites, which had followed after the people of King Limhi, had been lost in the wilderness for many days. Behold, they had found those priests of King Noah in a place which they called Amulon. And they had begun to possess the land of Amulon and begun to till the ground. So now the Lamanites have found the priests of Noah and the daughters of the Lamanites. But the daughters of the Lamanites are put forth by these priests of Noah to plead for them that the Lamanites not kill them. And again, the Lamanites have compassion because of the beauty of their wives 
um, and they they don't destroy them, uh, which they had every right to do because they in fact kidnapped them. And here the these daughters that had been kidnapped by their kidnappers are pleading in behalf of their kidnappers who have become their husbands. Um, and so that's an uh, interesting twist of, of events here. Uh, but Amulon, who is a Nephite by birth, uh, is put over his people by the Lamanites and that uh, that they become friendly one with another, um, but that they don't teach the laws or the words of Abinadi, uh, but that they uh, are still uh, doing their own thing and preaching their own gospel, if you will. Uh, but they come across the people of Alma, um, and Amulon has authority over them. In verse 12, it says, Alma and his people did not raise their voices to the Lord their God because they had been commanded not to pray out loud by Amulon and his people. And so they're praying inwardly and not vocally anymore. Uh, but the Lord tells them that he will ease their burdens. And so the, the people of Alma have been captured or been taken prisoner by, the, um, by Am Amulon and his people. And so now they're, they're in captivity. Uh, however, uh, they're also going to be delivered uh, in a miraculous way. Um, came to pass uh, in verse 18 that Alma and his people in the nighttime gathered their flocks together. Now, these people don't have to get them drunk. The, the Lord causes them to, to have a deep sleep. In verse 19, it says the Lord caused a deep sleep to come upon the Lamanites. And all their taskmasters were in a profound sleep so that Alma and his people could escape. And so now they're going to depart and they're going to go into the wilderness and uh, after, in verse 25, after they had been in the wilderness 12 days, they arrived in the land of Zarahemla, and King Mosiah did also receive them with joy. So now we have the people of Noah, the people of Alma, well, the people of Limhi and the people of Alma that have now joined with the people of, of Mosiah in the land of Zarahemla. And so now uh, we're going to have a, a little bit larger group of people here now to, to defend themselves. I bear testimony that what we're reading is translated material, that the Book of Mormon is true, and I bear that testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.